On this week's episode of Goodwill Talk, I share what my dream business would be and how it came to mind. We also talk about the importance of eating food in the church, where it comes from in the scriptures, and what opportunities are there for discipleship. All this and more on this week's episode of Goodwill Talk. Jess, I did something the other day that I never thought I would do, and it might have changed my life completely. Yeah? It might have completely changed my life forever. What did you do? I went to a, uh, a chain coffee shop that's not getting free advertisement. Okay. And they had a drink for spring that... Was it pink? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Not, it was an actual coffee drink. It oh, wasn't okay. Like a, yeah, no. And um, it was this, they called it a shaken espresso drink. Right. Which is a nonsense thing. It's not a real thing, but that's what right. they called it. Okay. But they make it with oat milk. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, all you right, know how whatever. Matt Kilda feels about. I do. Milk I do. That doesn't come from a teat. I understand that. I understand. <laughs> I also understand that two minutes into the episode, we just used the word teat. So that's. Oh, you just doubled it. That's, so. Oh, well, we did. Yeah. That's all right. This We should put a oat like milk. a parental discretion advised on this one now. Um, no, I. Oat milk, and I'm going, ah, fine, all right, whatever, just make it how you make it. I, I didn't, I was on my way somewhere. Right. I take my first drink of this beautiful, <laughs> wonderful concoction from the gods, and it's it's amazing. Oat milk in a latte? Is there coffee game god? Game changer. Is there coffee god? I, I don't, don't know. think there I is. I mean, god is the coffee god. He made it, so. Okay, just. It, yeah. Wow, really? You're, it's, a, it's a colloquialism. What do you want from me? I understand that, and I use the colloquialism. I just yeah. know that you're going to get emails about it. <laughs> Marcos <laughs> believes in many gods, including a coffee god. Nonsense. He does uh, not. I'm I just clarifying no, that. He does not. He, be <laughs> he believes in the god who is also the god of coffee. The god of coffee. The god and, and creator of coffee. He, he did. And, and uh, the inspiration for this beverage that you've enjoyed. I, it was, I have had oat milk in my lattes like since... Yeah, it I've heard changes that, everything. I've heard that oat milk is. I I love oatmeal, so I would yeah. probably like oat milk. It adds such a cool flavor to the latte that you're it's having. Like a little nutty, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I'll try it. Absolutely, and, well, and so and so. Here's where the here's where the brain went after this, because I, you know, sometimes you get into a place you're like, I. I could run a business. I could never run a business. I could never <laughs> run. A, but you think to yourself, you're like, I could do something like that one day. Like if, if something happened and I was no longer a pastor, I'm like I could start my own business. And so I'd be poor for the rest of my life. But I would love to start. I've talked about this before. I think an independent movie theater. I definitely have never heard that. You never heard this Absolutely before? Absolutely not. I would start an independent movie theater that showed indie films um, kind of an art house type of a independent movie theater. So like a coffee house, but with a coffee house built into it. But like a coffee house, like you know, where people like come and play their music, or but yes. if you're like indie films instead. Yes, both. You do both things. It's this really cool coffee shop slash movie theater. You're just where you really, come. You're like, that's. You're just, that would be no. my soul. Your millennialism is shining right oh, now. Oh, it'd be wonderful. You find a spot like a beacon, like a really kind of quasi hipster type of place that could support something like this. Oh man, I'm in. I okay. am in. And uh 
<laughs> sounds terrible. It sounds like you have to talk to people. Oh, yeah. No, sounds, no, 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 no. It is a wonderful dream that should never, ever be attempted by me. Uh, but <laughs> here's, here's, the, but here's the question I have for you now. Okay. What would your business be? If you were to start a business, what I would it be? I feel like I just talked to someone about this recently. And they were like, you should do that. I don't remember what the, that was. And I was like, that would be the worst thing ever. <laughs> I don't really remember what. It, oh, maybe it was organizing people. No, no, come on. That sounds like a fun business to you. Yeah. You really? like to organize? I love to organize. I have a house that you can come by and. And, uh, I have done that before. <laughs> <laughs> when Erin yeah, first moved, when you guys that's like, right. when you first, first moved here, I didn't even know her then. We were strangers and she had posted on Facebook like, Hey, I think your mother was coming. And she's like, we're still like moving in. The kids are little. There's yeah. still like boxes around. Like, I just need help. That's right. And so I was like, sure, I'll come help you. That's right. I remember this. And I went this. over and like got to know her a little this bit. This was early, early. And early. Yeah. Like you guys like had literally just had like just, just moved in. It was, you know, something about with your mom in school and she had a break and she was coming or it was summer wow. break for her. But anyway, she was coming and Aaron was like, you know, trying to get unpacked and yeah. settled in before your mother got there and she just needed a little help. And I was like, I will come take over. Yeah. And I remember. I, and I did. You did. And I yelled at you because you had a I was undoing your movies oh. and you had a copy of life is beautiful still in the packaging. Yeah. And I guarantee it's still in the packaging, isn't it? Marcos. It, it's probably still in the packaging. You're the worst. I have not yet seen life. You is beautiful. need it is. It's beautiful. You need to watch it. It's so good. <laughs> it's in Italian. That? What was that? You just did. <laughs> was that Italian? Yeah. That's the, in, in the movie is in Italian. I knew the movie's in Italian. I mean, maybe it's in English too, but I usually watch it in Italian with the subtitles because oh, you yeah. need the Italian you to can't. like get the, the like passion in the movie. I it's am hundred so percent anti-dubbing. I don't yeah. want to watch a movie dubbed in English. I want I to think, watch it in the original language with the subtitles. Yeah. When I watched it with the kids, I think I watched the dub version just because they can't read that quick or when we watched it, they couldn't read that quickly to like really understand what was then going on. Then you don't on, get to but... watch the movie. I'm, I'm that much of a hardcore, like, don't. Mm -mm. You're not. It's still in the packaging on the shelf in your house. So I mean, but when I, other, when I watch no. other, it, no. all right. You get no opinion. All right, fine. Unwrap the movie and watch it this weekend. Cause it's so good. Does it have to be this weekend? What no. if there's other movies I want to watch? You've watched all the other movies. All of them? I don't know, but you've moved to this one now three times and still have not opened it. <laughs> Open it and watch it. All right. Okay. All right. I get it. Is, it is like on a top five of my movies. Really? It really is. It's like, it is. Is that good? It, it is so, it's such a unique perspective and such a unique storytelling of a horrific event because it's about the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Or it takes place in, in that. During the Holocaust. And so there's some experiences of, of the main characters, but it is funny and endearing and just like the heart for a father to protect his kid yeah, as yeah. best he can in a horrific situation and like so lighthearted and funny which you know holocaust movies well, are mean, not lighthearted or funny right so I, I i know of this movie because i'm an oscar buff and my first exposure to the oscars first time i ever watched the oscars i was 10 years old is 1996 life is beautiful he wins best actor mm -hmm. as, and he, as he should have, he jumped over the seats <laughs> on his, was just dancing. It was, it was a really cool moment. And that was part of this. One of my first Oscar memories. Anyway, we should probably start okay. talking about what we're supposed to talk about now, but your, your business would be organizing. You'd be the Marie Kondo of orange County. 
Yeah. I would just like, just like, just let me go have at your office and I will organize and clean and sort and do all the things. And, we, I, and like, but, but because I don't have to talk to anybody. We, we should make a show about you. And I like shelves this. and bins and yeah. organizers. You I remember, like all of that. I mean, there was, there was a really famous show filmed here. And so we're going to make another version. It's going to be Orange County Cleaners <laughs> or Orange County No, because then you have to talk to people again. Just to just, I mean, just on a microphone to a camera. Yeah. You don't have to talk to actual people. The worst. I won't even let you put a camera in this room. I mean. No. That's on its way, though. It's, we both it's know. not. We both know it's coming at some point. I quit. You don't. <laughs> You'll be fine. You're just going to adjust. We're good at adjusting. All right. Let's get to work. <laughs> So today we're going to we're going to talk about something that I think is a regular experience for a lot of people here at Goodwill Church. Um, we're going to talk about why we eat so much here at Goodwill Church. <laughs> Frequency and quantity. It is just a constant flow of food. Um, yeah. But there is a reason for this. It's not just that we like to hang out and eat, although we do. There yeah. is actual purpose behind why we eat so much, and I don't think we talk about this. And so I think sometimes right. people this just This isn't go, just like an American church right. occurrence. Like, this is a church worldwide occurrence. And I, I like that you bring this up, because I was in... Um, I went to Albania, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was in Albania back in May, um, everywhere we went, food got involved somehow, <laughs> right? And so um, we were going to hang out with people. There was food. We actually we hung out with the staff of the of the school so tim and i um we went on a kind of a little history tour of a a bunker we can talk about that another time we come back and we're going to have lunch with the staff when we roll up to the school and they're making sushi and they've ordered some chinese food so we're not just going to meet with them we're going to sit down we're going to eat together and Mm -hmm. virtually no business was done we just ate together and um, we understood half the conversation because the other half was in albanian and that was fine it was about being together and eating together, and that mattered because we're Christian family. Right. It has to do with who we are as Christians that food often gets involved. Um, so there are some roots to this, and I wonder, Jess, if you could talk a little bit about the covenant meal, and then we can go from the covenant meal to Goodwill Church and how we get there. Yeah. I mean, covenant meal might be like a specific thing. I don't know. I mean, but it's, it's just a, like the meals in, of the covenant right, community. Of the covenant right. community. So, you know, in the Old Testament, like every festival, every celebration, every remembrance, every like when God said like, do this, almost all of it. I can't think of anything that doesn't have some element of food or feast. And so, you know, like that was a way that the beginning of God's people you know, covenanted with God and with each other. Right. And, you know, that's how they cemented themselves together as God's people. And so that's something that we continue to do. Right. I mean, even, uh, you know, we, we think about in our tradition, we have two sacraments, right? You have, mm-hmm. you have baptism, but the other one is the Lord's Supper and the Old Testament analog. So for, for baptism, the Old Testament analog is baptism. This is why we baptize our babies, is, or baptism to circumcision, I right. should say. Um, so that's why we baptize our babies, because it's connected to circumcision. Um, in the meal, the Lord's Supper is connected to the Passover. So this moment that is like this existential crisis. We are um, trying to leave Egypt. We got to go through a Red Sea. It's going to be water, but like it is an incredible moment of God's salvation. 
you're going to eat first. I want you to, to slaughter the lamb, put the put the blood on the, the lentil and on the doorposts, mm-hmm. and I want you to eat the meal. And there's a particular way you're going to eat the meal. And now for every generation afterwards, you will eat this same meal in remembrance of my rescue of you. The heart of redemption is signified by a meal right. in the Old Testament. And that continues through because what are we told? When we eat and drink, um, we do so in remembrance of the Lord until he returns, in remembrance of the cross. So food and redemption have a link in the scriptures in a way that maybe we don't think about. It's a, it's a, a very experiential way to reconnect us into the redeeming work of God. Yeah. Um, now, why do we do it so much here? Like, because we don't just do Lord's Supper together. We yeah. eat constantly. So talk about like, why are we eating so much here at Goodwill Church? Like, what, where does your mind go? Well, I think that's where like so much fellowship happens. And, you know, those conversations when you're sitting at the table, um, you know, just getting to know someone, what's happening in their life, what happened that week, what's happened that day, you know, how their grandkids are, how school is going. Like you're connecting in a way that you can't in a church service. Also, I think that the fellowship that goes into the preparation of the food and the the and, and this, the same for communion too, which like I was a hard vote for going back to communion instead of the communion lunchables is like, there's an element of fellowship between the people who are preparing that and, you know, filling the cups and setting it out that was missing when you were just popping them in a tray that right. one person could do on their own. So I, I think that in the, in the eating, but also in the preparation in the cleanup and all, all of it gives places for fellowship. And and I think the fellowship aspect of this is what is so key, right? So if we go back to this description of the first church, we regularly go back to Acts 2, right? And these few verses that describe what the first church did. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That seems to be worship service. The breaking of bread here most likely is an allusion to the Lord's Supper that would be done. Right. In, but that there is a there's an intentional by Luke here who wrote this there's an intentional blurring of the lines because he calls it the breaking of the bread and the prayers so that gives you a liturgical sense of what's happening but if you go lower it says day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they receive their food with glad and generous hearts now we've blurred the lines between what the sacramental meal of the Lord's Supper and the breaking bread together in homes. Like the fellowship meal. That's the fellowship meal after right. where you're just hanging out and being together. There's an intentional blurring of the lines here, I think, in what Luke is doing. He's using similar language to denote two different things in order to show the, the communion we have together at the Lord's Supper. There's a sacramental nature to that that continues. There's a, there's an overflow, if you will. There's the sacramental reality. We receive grace at the table of the Lord through the Lord's Supper. And then we go to the fellowship meal where our communion with God spills over into communion with one another. That's what we call fellowship. It's not just chatting, right? There's an actual spiritual relationship that we build with one another around the table that finds its root in Christ's redemption for us that's signified by the, by the Lord's Supper. So there's this really cool connection between communion and our communion with one another at the fellowship meal. Yeah. They go together. And also, like, food is so approachable. Like, sitting and having a meal with someone you don't know is so approachable. And even with people, like, that you might not have a lot in common with or people who you might 
under ordinary circumstances or other conversations or settings have conflict with, like a meal is a real place of unity that you can, you know, remind yourself we are a part of the same body. Right. This is how peace deals are worked out. Like you go to like conflict, right? If you're going to, in a lot of cultures, if you're going to try and settle a conflict, you eat together first. This is a part of the function of making peace. You sit down, you eat together, and that immediately breaks down some of the resistance. There's something there mm -hmm. um, where by eating together and sharing an experience with one another, you're now able to talk in a much more familial way or at least right. friendly way because it's hard to be mad at somebody you're sharing good food with right like it's <laughs> like, just a i hate you would you pass the potatoes <laughs> right like it forces communication it yeah. forces relationship and you know i i do think there is a sense when when people are struggling with one another sit down and eat together and see how the lord might use that time together it's a true fellowship where you're actually going to get into the spiritual things of God and why there might be con conflict or mm -hmm. something. And, and you're, you're trying to submit all that to Jesus, sit down at a meal and try and work it through at the table. Um, now a lot of this, cause our faith comes from a hospitality culture, right? right. So um, everything about Christianity has to be learned through a new cultural grid for Americans. Right. Because we are the, when we talk about the gospel going to the nations or to the ends of the earth. We're the nation's end, end of the earth. There. Like that's us on the very edge having to relearn everything through the grid of like Middle Eastern hospitality culture, Israel, Palestine world. Like we completely reframe our understanding of life by another set of eyes, basically. Yeah. Um, it's a hospitality culture, so everything is food. I, um, I mean, you were just in Israel. There's every uh, there's food. It's constant, everywhere, right? Everywhere. They're constant constantly food. feeding you. Yeah. And it's delicious. So um, I was in Brazil quite a few years ago before I came to Goodwill. And um, it's a warmer culture there, so much more hospitality driven. And we would be in the poorest of the poor favelas. And we'd walk in to this, this home. they have nothing. They have nothing. But they're feeding you. They're feeding us. Yeah. I mean, it was it was to the point where it was absurd. Like we were so full. And um, Americans have a reputation of eating a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so like we would be like, oh, we're, we're fine. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. You can eat. We know. We, we know you're American. We know you're American. We got home one night and we had visited a bunch of families and um, we were just, we were full. And the last family we'd been to was a, f like they fed us a full dinner on the back of like, not the lightest snacks in the world. In uh -huh. these other places, they'd make this thing called pau de queijo, which is a cheese bread, which is incredible. I've only ever had it there. It's wonderful. It's not light though. So like you eat that in four different homes, and then you go have a meat forward dinner. <sighs> so we get back to the place where we're staying, and uh, we'd been traveling for about 10 minutes between dinner place and where we're staying. And we come in and go, oh, you guys must be hungry. No. And she brings out of the oven these ramekins that have a meat cake in them. Like it is just <laughs> minced meat with not much else packed into a ramekin and cooked and delivered to us. And we're looking at this and we're just dead on our feet it's like we made uh, our like you're but it's, so full here have a meatloaf uh, yeah it was but it's a hospitality culture so you need you to, to, eat you need some of to eat some of it yeah 
Um, because the way that they show love in a hospitality culture and welcome and embrace is through the table. Right. And we do that here as well. I mean, how do we know we're embraced and shown love? God sets a table for us and invites us to the table to eat of his own flesh and drink of his own blood. There is a there is a self-sacrificing welcome at the table. We do the same thing for one another. And so we end up eating a lot at Goodwill. And that's, I think, how we build a strong community. I mean, when you think about your time growing up in the church, you know, so so go pre-Goodwill, you're growing up as a kid. Uh-huh. Do you remember um, all of the sermons and stuff that were were preached? No. Do you remember all the Sunday school lessons? No. How many potlucks do you remember? Yeah, all the potlucks, yeah. <laughs> the strawberry festival. Yeah. Because there used to be in Circleville, um, yeah, like a couple miles from the church, there were these huge strawberry fields. And so the whole church would go like strawberry picking. And then we would have this big, I, I don't, it was not, at night. I don't remember if it was a Sunday night or a midweek night. I don't remember. I just remember it was a strawberry festival. And like everybody just brought strawberry desserts. Ooh, and no. it was amazing. Uh, yeah. That sounds like great. Like so much strawberry shortcake. Heck yes. I remember Mrs. Ferguson's cinnamon rolls <laughs> at First Baptist Church in Douglas, Arizona. When we had a potluck, the first thing you did when you knew it was a potluck Sunday, I keep saying potluck. I know that's like taboo for some people. I don't They'll get over it. it. It's um, like, I don't know what's this, what else to call it. Anything, anything else. It's a else. covered dish. It's a potluck. It's fine. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> Or a covered dish. If you really because need it to be dishes, a covered dish, it's a covered dish. All the dishes dish. aren't covered. They're not all covered, including the cinnamon rolls, which couldn't <laughs> be covered. You need them to. You need to make yeah. sure that they're getting the the air that they need, right, to be perfect. And so, um, what you would do, as soon as the pastor said Amen, and I mean as soon as he said Amen, you got on your bike and ran to the back to the fellowship hall, and you made sure that you got to Mrs. Ferguson's cinnamon rolls before anybody else did, because they were perfect. so hilarious. They are the perfect cinnamon roll. I'm sure she's in glory now. I mean, this was <laughs> 30 years ago, and, and she, she was, was a little then. bit older then. Um, my goodness, her cinnamon roll. What was the one thing at, when you were growing up, the potluck thing? I don't, I mean... I don't remember there being a specific thing because like my mom is such a good cook That's that it was true. probably yeah. like anywhere I go, I just eat my mom's food because <laughs> everything else is not everything. Most other things are disappointing. Like I'll eat them and they're good, but they're not my mom's. Yeah. Yeah. Like even when my mom, sometimes she'll change her recipe a little bit and I'll eat over at dinner. And I was like, what did you do to this? <laughs> oh no. She's like, oh, well I did this instead of that. Don't do that. That's not what it's supposed to taste like. <laughs> but anyway, so my, I think my mom had like the cinnamon rolls of yeah, our yeah, church. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't cinnamon rolls. She makes this cake called a chocolate, chocolate, chocolate cake. Oh, I know. Which, like, you make it in a bun pan. It's it's easy to make. It's not a difficult I thing. Mean, but the one time she was making it for church, and she as she was taking it out of the oven, something happened, and it like knocked over. And you know how like the bun pan separates, like an angel food cake pan sure, separates. Sure. So it separated and like just crumbled all over the door of the oven. And so, you know, you're like kind of on your way in these kinds of situations. You're always a little bit running late. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of just like scooped it up and put it on the plate. And then when she got to church, she just left it in the kitchen. And it might not have been the whole cake. It maybe only like whatever. It right. was it was not looking its best. Yeah. And so she just left it in the kitchen figuring like if all the other desserts run out or really in a pinch, I'll set it out. Well, the pastor's sons were like, where's Cindy's cake? What does Cindy bring? <laughs> What did Mrs. Russell bring? Where is it? And my mom was like, well, you know, 
it's, it's in the kitchen. I wasn't going to put it out. Cause I mean, the, the boys went in and housed that thing <laughs> Yeah, because everybody knows like, where is Mrs. Russell's dessert? Whatever she brought is going to be amazing. That's awesome. And we used to have an auction, I feel like, or some sort of something about baked goods. Yeah. And somebody like bought one of my mom's apple pies for like $50. Yeah, which, I would. Yeah. Well, like at, in the, at that time, that was a lot of money compared to like what $50 is now. Okay. Like $50 is what you drop when you go to McDonald's. This is back when you could like could have oh, fine dining for fifty dollars. Fifty dollars at McDonald's. That sounds like you've made a mistake. You, but okay, you right. don't have a teenage son. I don't. You're right. No, it's a different animal. Um, I so here's here's why I wanted to digress into this uh-huh. direction. I, Mrs. Ferguson, just like your mom would have been to these other kids. She was an impact on me spiritually. Right. Um, the, all of the grandmas who baked and hung out, like I was hanging out with them at the potluck, right? I'm overhearing conversations from saints that are way older than me. I'm seven, right? I'm hearing, overhearing conversations with people who've been through it, right? Who've seen some stuff and love Jesus and are still there and are still moving forward. Like that time is so valuable for the kids of the church. Right. For the like teens that of the church. Interge- intergenerational Intergenerational time. discipleship is everything. And the table mm-hmm. presents that opportunity. Right. Because when you come to church, your kids go to Sunday school, your youth are going to youth, you're right. going to be in worship. Sometimes they're going to be in there for a bit and then they leave. Like it gets segmented, but not at the table. Right. At the table, we're all together. And yeah, the kids might go hang out with the kids and stuff, but like we have the opportunity for intergenerational discipleship Mm -hmm. to happen at the table. And when you look in the Old Testament, a lot of the reason these feasts were done and carried out over and over again were to remind the next generation of what God had done. Right. The feast was a teaching time. Say, we're doing this because this is what God has done for us in the past. It's to remember who God is and to celebrate his redeeming love for us, right? Um, Our eating together is an opportunity every time we do it for intergenerational discipleship. Yeah. And if we go in intentionally thinking that maybe the older folks in our congregation are are going to intentionally look for where's that younger couple that, you know, just had a newborn or where's that, where are those teens? And I'm just going to be that annoying old person hanging out with the teens. <laughs> you know what I found? Teenagers love old folks. Right. Love them. Well, because they love that. Like they see me. Yeah. They see me for me. Not yeah. like trying to get me to either be quiet or do what they want me to do. It's, there's there's this sense for... Like a genuine interest in that. Yeah. There's a sense for the older generation who are like, oh, I'm not relevant to them. We know. That's why you're so attractive. Right. They don't need you to be relevant. Right. They need you to be you. And they're, they want that. They yeah. want that intergenerational relationship. And so if we can really harness that around the table, I think that the fellowship meal can really... Uh, it can be one of the most impactful things we do yeah. as a church. Um, there is nothing more important than worship, but fellowship is a part of this. And just because there's a benediction doesn't mean the function of the body is over. Right. Fellowship is a, is a big part of this. Yeah. We well, the church it. is the church, even when you're not sitting right. under, under the pastor in a Sunday service. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that's that's why we eat so much. Because it creates these opportunities. Like it is a part of our DNA, but it creates opportunities for discipleship. And if we, and and it's memory creation as well. Like Mm -hmm. I I will never forget Mrs. Ferguson. (laughs) 
purely because of a cinnamon roll. But like, that's a woman who who lived a life, yeah, and loved Jesus, and in a small way poured into me, and in a small way I'm the Christian I am because of Mrs. Ferguson's cinnamon rolls. And that sounds facetious, but it's really, really important. Right. Because those are the little things God uses to build his people. It's through not just worship, but through fellowship. I don't remember a single sermon from from First Baptist in, in Douglas, Arizona. Don't remember them. I do remember those times of fellowship. Those, And I have brief snippets, mm-hmm. but I remember them. So, um, hey, Jess. Yeah. Any last words for us before we go? Nope. Oh hoping thanks for keeping it late for me you know do what i can that's it from goodwill talk to i don't know where we are i don't know where we are either let me see hold on hold on let me see it is i'm so lost in life i got it <laughs> we're in a season and it's, it's 15, been an episode it has it's been both of those things it's season 15 episode four and we will oh, see you again four? they were only oh, four man. man it has been a long season <laughs> <laughs> oh man season 15 episode four we'll see you next time Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff DiMatti. Marcos Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci and Jeff DiMatti. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week.